When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. USC football in for a culture shock? Should Dante Williams stay or should he go? What will be Lincoln Riley's most important hire? Mario Cristobal leaves Oregon, advantage Troy, and lessons learned in 2021. A look at college football's Final Four. Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and we welcome you to We Are SC's Inside the Trojan Huddle, Week 14. Inside the Trojan Huddle is a game-like panel discussion with We Are SC columnists and staff writers. Let's uh, head right to the pregame show immediately. This is where we introduce our panel members of the edition of Inside the Huddle. We'll give you the latest USC Trojan football news in a moment here, but let's first meet this week's panelist, Mark Culkin. We are SC columnist who writes the Monday morass, yay or nay, Sunday takeaways, and during the season, practice reports. Chris Arledge, former William Jewell College defensive back and team captain. And we are SC columnist who writes the popular column, Musings with Arledge. And I'm Greg Katz, your host and moderator. And we are SC columnist who writes the obvious and not so obvious. And I am HO Sunday. But before we get into discussion, first, here's the latest USC football news, and there is a lot of it. On Monday afternoon, it was learned that Jamar Kane, Oklahoma outside linebacker, defensive ends coach under Lincoln Riley, will join Riley's staff at USC. Kane also had success as a defensive line coach at Arizona State. No word yet on whether Vic Soto will return as a defensive line coach at USC. Also on Monday, defensive tackle Jacob Lichtenstein, announced that he is entering the NCAA transfer portal. Lichtenstein will have two years of eligibility remaining. It's expected that more players will be entering the portal in the future. On Sunday, it was learned that former Tulsa offensive line coach Zach Hansen will be joining Lincoln Riley's coaching staff to become the Trojans' tight end coach. Hansen, a former Kansas State offensive tackle, coached the Tulsa offensive line for two seasons after coming over from Oklahoma. He was a senior offensive analyst for the Sooners under Riley in 2019 and also was on the staffs at Kansas State and North Carolina. In addition, his wife, Zach Hansen, Annie Hansen, is expected to join USC's football program under Lincoln Riley. Hansen is credited with helping to build the strategy behind Oklahoma's rebuilding uh, recruiting program and holds the title there of assistant athletic director, recruiting strategy and administrative engagement. Former Oklahoma corners uh, back coach Roy Manning is now on campus at USC and will be formally introduced uh, as soon as part of Lincoln Riley's staff. It's unknown if Manning will be coaching the Trojans corners or another position group. And first year USC offensive line coach Clay Helton has departed, accepted a similar position at Washington State with new Cougars head coach Jake Dickert. Trojans are expected to fill the uh, offensive line vacancy with highly respected Oklahoma offensive line coach Bill Bedenbaugh, who also held the title of co-offensive coordinator when Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma. 
And Lincoln Riley is expected to formally announce that former Mississippi State wide receivers coach Dave Nichols has joined the USC staff. Nichols is expected to coach the USC slot receivers, better known as the inside receivers. Uh, Nichols and Riley have coached together when both were student assistant coaches together at uh, Texas uh, Tech in 2003 and 2005. And they spent seasons, two full seasons, as assistant coaches at East Carolina. Also, a bit of news, five-star running back Malik Brown of Santa Ana Mater Day, uh, commit for the Trojans class of 2022, has said he will not be enrolling for spring practice, but will finish out his senior year at Mater Day. And a big moment uh, on Sunday night, the Trojans had a big recruiting dinner on, as we said, Sunday night on campus for many of its top prospects, which included LSU transfer portal uh, cornerback Elias Ricks, class of 2022 modern-day cornerback uh, Damani Jackson, modern-day wide receiver C.J. Williams, uh, who is a uh, Notre Dame currently commit, Michigan commit defensive tackle Mason Graham of Servite High School, Stanford commit linebacker David Bailey of Modern Day, Sarah cornerback Roderick Pleasant, class of 2023 Los Alamitos teammates, quarterback Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon, Long Beach Poly cornerback Daylon Austin, uh, along with St. John Bosco defensive end Mateo Ugogalele. And of course, last but not least, also in attendance class of 2024 Long Beach Poly wide receiver, Jason Robinson. We remind you to uh, keep checking in with WeRSC.com and our recruiting guru, Scott Trader, for the latest information on the recruiting wars. So with that, first quarter, Lincoln Riley, what about what's happening on campus? Panel, the 2020 season is mercifully over. Uh, what must Lincoln Riley do to change the current culture of USC? Let's start off with Mark Culkin. What are your thoughts? Uh Continue cleaning house. I mean, he so far we haven't heard one coach returning from the existing staff. So just you know, keep the elbow grease going. You know, get that spick and span, pine saw, whatever cleaning detergent works best for you, and just keep going. You know, obviously on the other side, you know, recruit the pantry. He, you know, he's been out there working hard. You. Greg, I think, just spent the last hour going over who was at on campus, who's coming, potentially not coming. Um, so just keep working. I, I, at this point, there's nothing else he can do. Just work, 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 work. All right, Chris, what do you think? Well, uh, he needs to um, he needs to raise the expectations and 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 change the work ethic, I think. Now, look, I don't, I don't spend time watching the guys in the weight room or watching, uh, or watching the off-season workouts. But the impression you get watching USC over the last few years is they are not working as hard as the other top programs around the country. Um, and you certainly got the feeling that Clay Heltman's staff were tolerant of a lot of stuff that you shouldn't be tolerant of. Stupid penalties, bad mistakes, um, uh, a lack of focus, sometimes a lack of effort and and clay would excuse those things and call the guys warriors in a way that i think would have been shocking to a nick saban right i think saban would have seen that stuff and he would have gone off on his team you're going to have to raise the expectations you're going to have to insist on hard work you're going to have to insist on discipline and i think he's going to take these guys out of their comfort zone uh the comfort zone did not put usc football into a very good place the last few years uh i mean this was 
guys, this was probably the worst season I've ever seen for a USC team. It was painful to watch almost every week. So I think, uh, I think Riley is going to be ruthless about getting people outside their comfort zone and really pushing. And I think he has to. And the last thing I would say is I don't know what USC football was about under Clay Helton. I think I knew what USC football was about under, under Pete Carroll. And I think I know what Alabama football is about under Nick Saban. I don't really know what USC football was about under Clay Helton. But if you want to lead an organization, you have to, you, you have to make clear to everybody what the vision is, what you're trying to be. And you have to make sure everybody buys in. The people that don't buy in have to be thrown overboard. And I suspect that's what he's going to do. It'll be really interesting to see it come together. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, some good thoughts there. Uh, my, my take on it is simply he's going to do a complete ruthless, uh, I feel no pain when I do it, change entirely of USC football. I think that it's going to be such that obviously you bring in a whole new staff. I think that goes without saying. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. Uh, I think there's going to be a big roster change, uh, both voluntary and involuntary. Uh, I think the message that was sent on Saturday night was this is one messed up program. This is one messed up team. I don't like seeing some of the players like Slovis and uh, uh, some of the others who came up to uh, uh, the Bay Area to support their team. And then uh, others uh, like Drake Jackson, Chris Steele, no matter what the excuse was, it just was not a good look. It was almost like, uh, okay, you guys go play. I don't know of any championship team that I've been involved in that ever even remotely looked like uh, that. I don't even know what to call it watching on TV. It was embarrassing uh, for the players that were not there. I would assume the players that were not there for the most part, aren't going to be there in 2022. Uh, you know, just seeing that a guy like Lichtenstein who decides he's still got two, uh, two years of eligibility left uh, and he's not going to participate. Okay, fine. Go to a, go back to Florida. You know, maybe you can hook on with the at the University of Miami, whatever the case may be. But I think Lincoln Riley has got to make it a complete makeover of the staff because you're getting rid of attitudes, and uh, these attitudes. I I know uh, uh, that for you, Chris, and for for Mark and the other staff members that we have at WeRSC.com are very passionate. Many of us have been watching the program for a long, long time this is a repudiation of what all usc once stood for the good news i think is lincoln riley gets it i think you know he's coming from a historically great oklahoma proud program and he's transferring it over to usc remember lincoln riley was only in his 20s when pete carroll was doing his thing but that's old enough in your 20s or your early 30s to say i know what they can do here <laughs> And I'm sure he's hell-bent on, on maybe he can't repeat Pete's uh, run here, but I'm going to tell you something. He's going to give it a hell of a try. And he knows he's got to weed out people and get rid of them and bring in his own people. So with that in mind, let's go to the second quarter. And this has been a sensitive topic. It's Dante Williams. Should former interim head coach and cornerbacks coach Dante Williams, also considered one of the nation's premier recruiters, be retained on Lincoln Riley's staff. Uh, what What do you think, uh, Chris? I don't know. And I don't know because I'm not sure what kind of position coach Dante is. Uh, the reality is that 
that his corners were a hot mess this year. And I understand that he had other responsibilities. But even so, if I'm a head coach and I'm a cornerback specialist and I'm watching that play, I'm going to take some of my practice time to deal with it. And, and the corners were a disaster, even though they were supposed to be a good group. And, and that's the corner. The corners are not a position group where USC struck out uh, on recruiting the last few years. They had guys that everybody wanted and they couldn't play. So uh, you cannot bring a guy back because he's a good recruiter. USC will recruit just fine if they win football games. USC recruits pretty decently, even if they don't win football games. If you're winning, kids will stay home. You do not bring a guy back because he's a recruiter. I don't care if some of, the, if some of this year's recruits really like the guy. I don't care. The question is, does Lincoln Riley think that Dante Williams is a good position coach? If so, then it makes sense to bring him back. And two, does Dante Williams want to be a position coach again? He's certainly not going to be a defensive coordinator at USC. We know that. The position is, feel, is filled, and it wouldn't make sense to make him a, a coordinator anyway. That We have no indication he's ready for that. So uh, if, if Lincoln Riley brings him back, I think it's because Riley thinks he's good at uh, getting the corners up to speed, and I'm fine with it. If Lincoln Riley decides he doesn't want him back, I'm fine with that too, because at this point there's no indication or no empirical data, we should say, that would lead me to believe that Dante Williams is actually doing a good job even as a position coach. So, Mark, what do you think? Does he stay, or should he stay, or should he go? What do you, what you, if you're the head coach, what are you doing with him? Yeah, you know, it, it's a difficult decision. I'm with Chris a little bit on this. You don't know, but I lean with no. And I go back to my opening point. Um, Lincoln just needs to be very antiseptic with this. Just clean it out. And I'm coming from the, from the angle of, you got so many players that, you know, respect Dante not as a coach, but also as a person, as a mentor, that for those players who do stick it out and, and stay with the new regime, if they do get rubbed the wrong way, do you want somebody who was in power lingering around in the background, you know, as some you know, these players can run to that, hey, you know, the new coach is being mean to me. What do I do? How do we handle this? You know, it, you're just leaving too much of a divide in the locker room, or at least a potential for divide. And again, on the other side, you know, it might be time for Dante to grow as a coach. You know, he's never been a head coach. He's never been a coordinator at any level. If he wants to get better as a coach, you've got to leave. Because, you know, Chris pointed out, he's not going to be the DC here. Um, Roy Manning is coming. He, yeah, um, I think for all parties involved, it's probably best that, you know, Dante take this opportunity for growth as well as giving USC just a clean slate in the coaching, uh, in the coaching room. And to, you know, Chris's point about as far as do the cornerbacks get better? Um, yes and no. You saw a little bit, for example, I'll use Chris Steele, for example. Uh, the second half of the season, he actually performed better because he, he was humbled. He used it as, all right, you know what? I can't let my passion and my emotions show and always get the better of me. And, and he really tried to focus on that. So in, in that regard, you know, maybe Dante did have an effect, but, you know, everything, everything else I think weighs to the other side is just how good of a coach he possibly is, evidence or not. Everything else that I laid out, I think you just, you got to get, Dante's got to go for those other reasons. Sorry. (laughs) That's all right. That's why we want your opinion, Mark. 
And by the way, nice hat. I like you have it reversed there. Uh, you look like you're what, 19 years old again, I guess. Now, uh, I, I'm not sure he really looks 19, uh, Greg. We don't have to lie to the people. You know, 49 leave, works just fine, too. <laughs> leave it to the Arledge to tell it like it is. Yeah, I enjoy it. All right. Now, let me let me tell you how I think about this, as though you really care. Um, you know, Dante Williams came to USC as the premier recruiter or within the conversation mix in the country, right? Well, we all know that you got to coach him as well as recruit him. And the best coaches are the ones that can do both. Uh, you know, I think that Dante Williams, uh, was put in a terrible situation, no fault of his own. Uh, you certainly didn't want Orlando to be, uh, in charge of the, uh, program. He had enough challenges running the defense. And of course you didn't want Graham Harold, uh, doing it because, uh, you know, if there needed to be any groundwork done as the head coach, you know, he doesn't do anything on the ground anyway, because he's too busy passing the ball, but, uh, that being said, I think that Dante Williams, uh, and I hate to use this term, but it's the only one that's coming in my, in my little walnut sized brain was, is expendable. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, we always at USC, uh, during the good years would always worry, Oh, we lost this five-star guy, but there was always that sense that, okay, next year we'll get another five-star guy that for the one that didn't want to come this year. But there is that sense that they have, they're in need of so many players that the immediate uh, knee-jerk response is, well, we should keep him because we really need to get those recruits. Now, I don't believe that any longer. I think Lincoln Riley is so big a name right now. Of course, he's undefeated. Okay, His defense hasn't given up any points. But I think that uh, Lincoln Riley is so big right now that people are looking at him as he's going to change the program. Now it is important to know who your position coaches don't get me wrong, but I think that if, if Dante went to Washington to be the uh, rumored defensive coordinator, good for Dante, you know, good for you, but USC is going to be fine. In fact, I was just uh, given a phone call before we uh, were doing our little thing here that uh, once the word was out that Mario Cristobal was gone and all those recruits that, Oregon had that USC immediately sent uh, a recruiter down to San Diego to make immediate contact with the two guys that were defensive backs that were supposed to go to Oregon. And I see the, this timing, in, you know, just in, selfishly, impeccably great, okay, that this is all coming together. You know, some guys, they just get things like Pete Carroll, the Midas touch, everything happens uh, both inside and outside which is going to bring us to halftime. And the question is, uh, with halftime, uh, seeing all this excitement that's being built up, uh, with the hiring of Lincoln Riley, how much more of a home and in, in attendance increase do you expect for 2022? Uh, uh, Chris, what do you think? Well, I think that we'll, I think that we'll have a higher attendance than Allen High School out here in Texas, which I don't think was the case this year. Um, look, I, I think you're going to see an immediate jump, but it, it, it's really going to take off if Lincoln Riley's offense does what I think he can do. Because I think, I think he's going to have the skill position players and the quarterback. Uh, and with his X's and O's ability, I think we're going to see a remarkable jump 
in offensive performance. I think we're going to see a lot of big plays. It's going to be exciting. USC football won't be boring anymore. And when, and if you want to, if you want to bring people in, in LA, then you have to win and you have to be exciting. I think that's going to happen. So I don't know if, I don't know if he's going to be selling out the first year, um, but, uh, but he may get close. And if he does what I think he's going to do by year two, I think, I think you can be back where it was in the Pete Carroll days where the place is filled up. Now that there are less seats, it's going to be easier to fill it up. Mark, what do you think? Are the folks going to return from exile? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Rick Russo is going to be correct with his statement when he introduced, um, Lincoln Riley, when he pointed over his shoulder saying, that'll be the last time you see it, you know, looking like that. Uh, Rice is going to be playing in front of a sold-out Coliseum when USC opens their season next year. Now, will they sell out every game? I agree with Chris, probably not. Um, but, you know, to his point, it's going to be exciting again. The fans are already signing back up. Um, you know, the athletic department tweeted last week, they, you know, they're having record number of season ticket sales again. Um, you know, I, I put out a little tweet. Um, a friend of mine said he's literally, he's not moving to Portugal anymore. He's buying two season tickets and he lives on the East coast. So um, yeah, there's excitement again. And that's the biggest result of the Lincoln, Lincoln Riley hiring um, to go out and get that big name that, you know, you're not going to get a Nick Saban or, or an urban Meyer. So to, to get the splashy name was the right hire financially the perfect decision and you're going to get positive results with it as well so again you know as long if usc wins everything's great he's going to get a year and a half to show that he can win after that you know the uh, not another cent crowd will be right back again right back out there again well i'll tell you what uh i would be pleasantly surprised but i don't expect the coliseum to be sold out for rice uh, but I do a significant increase, no question about it. Uh, yes, I agree that the Coliseum is no, no longer 92,000, but 77,500, uh, which is easier to fill. I think the curiosity factor is there. But I think the most important thing right now is hope and enthusiasm is currently back. Uh, I have friends of mine who, boy, they couldn't sign up fast enough as soon as uh, – Riley was named, but I do have friends of mine who said, you know, I'm excited, but I'm cautiously excited. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to jump right into renewing my season tickets. Doesn't mean I, I won't go to games. Uh, but I, I think it's has a chance to really blossom. You know, when Pete Carroll first got the USC job, one of the things he said in his opening press conference is we're going to fill the Coliseum. And I remember saying to myself, are you on LSD? Uh, and uh, I, I've had a hard time believing it because even some of the biggest games that SC has played, it wasn't always totally filled. But it was a big crowd. You know, if Oklahoma came in, there'd be a, a nice crowd, but it was never like Notre Dame maybe or UCLA. But, you know, I was a believer after Pete had hit that mark. I couldn't believe seeing 92,000 people in the Coliseum. Uh, I just remember the Cal game and people were actually in their seats a half an hour before kickoff and the place was going nuts. And I like to think that all those people have those same memories and want to see that again. And if Lincoln Riley can present the type of program and get us off the ground quicker than maybe uh, reality is, you know, 
I think that there is a strong chance that uh, as the season progresses and if they do well, you're going to see a big increase in attendance. It will be really worth watching. Uh, you know, I mean, come on. They, they open up with Rice. There's a win. They're going to play Fresno State, new coaching staff. That should be – I'm not going to say a win, but they should win. Uh, and then, you know, then you're going to the Pac-10 play. And, of course, Notre Dame will come at the end of the year, but that's so far down the line. And uh, I don't think SC fans have low expectations. I think they have high expectations. And I think that for a limited time only, they will uh, they'll hold their nose on the losses as long as the team is competitive. They're entertaining. But there will come a point, uh, maybe in that second year, where they say, you know what, Pete Carroll, look what he did in his second year. And uh, that goes for the territory. And let's be honest, if you're getting paid $110 million for 10 years, you've got to produce. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all on him. It's no longer on the SC Athletic Administration. They've taken a lot of heat, well-deserved, I might add. But now it's all on Lincoln. And uh, so far, so good. So w- this will be something we can monitor for next year. Now, uh, what do you think as we head into the third quarter is going to be the effect of Mario Cristobal leaving uh, Oregon for Miami what do you see as the fallout, uh, both uh, on the field, uh, recruiting-wise? Uh, what do you think that this is going to have? Uh, what effect overall? Uh, Chris, what do you think? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, I think that the Pac-12 has room for two good programs. I think USC, when they're doing things well, and hopefully we're going to start doing that again, is a top five program. I think there's room for a top 10 or 15 program. For a while with, with Pete, it was a Ted First Cal program that was there. Uh, then you saw the rise of Oregon. For a while, it was Oregon and Stanford. I think that's how much talent there is. You can have, you can have a top dog and, and somebody else that's sort of nipping at their heels and gives them a big game every year. That was supposed to be Oregon. And maybe it still will be. Oregon's the only – because UCLA doesn't, doesn't really – try very hard. Oregon may be the only program other than USC that can recruit nationally. They do have a brand um, and, uh, and, they've, and they have a history for the last you know, eight years or so of recruiting against some pretty lousy USC teams and, and stealing some guys out of SoCal. If Cristobal stayed, I still think he'd take a step back, but I think he, would, I think he could have a top 10, 15 program and continue to run at a pretty high level. Uh, without him going, who knows? We, we know how hard it is to hire successful coaches. We've seen it over and over again. Um, and so I'm not sure what's going to happen with them. I, I, a couple other points about Oregon. One, I'm going to take a certain amount of personal satisfaction. I'm going to glove. And everybody knew that was coming. Look, I can't stand Oregon football. I love it when things go badly for Oregon. And think about the weekend that they just had. <laughs> I mean, could it be any better than that? An absolute beatdown on national television, a humiliation, 
and then their coach leaves for greener pastures, by the, which is strange going from Oregon. But by the way, notice that once again, a coach is treating Oregon as a stepping stone to another program. Hey, Oregon fans, your program is not a destination program. It is not a blue blood. It's a solid second rate program in a lousy recruiting ground, which means that unless you can steal guys out of SoCal and Texas, you're not going to be any good. Mario Cristobal knows that he can go to Miami and he can pull seven future pro bowlers out of the, out of the zip code that Miami sits in. You can't do that at Oregon. That's why Oregon's not going to be a real football power. Not ever. Top 12, top 15, sure but not any better than that. You guys will never be any better than that. Sorry. Well, are you sorry, Mark, uh, the plight of the Oregon Duckies? No, I got very little ad because Chris stated it so eloquently. Oh, uh, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> The whole the whole premise is Oregon is not a destination job. So, you know, even with a Mario Cristobal there, he's looking at greener pastures. Miami, as crappy as they've been, which is actually crappier than USC has been, is still a destination job compared to Oregon. So even when you have Uncle Phil Knight's money, you know, backing you up, it still doesn't matter. And, you know, Chris touched on another point. They were recruiting like crazy. But USC was not exactly doing it the USC way. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not like we were making life difficult for them up there. Um, so, you know, the Pac-12 or the Pac-10, as you guys, you know, subliminally say every now and then, which I kind of appreciate, um, it's always going to be... You say that, I Chris, Chris, excuse me for interrupting. Chris says that or I say that? Both. I've actually, last week, Chris... Chris dropped one in too. Good, because I like to be associated with Chris because he's a winner. Yeah. And this is important to me. This is this is my this is my vision for the conference's future. We're gonna cut a couple pieces. <laughs> in other words, addition by subtraction. Oregon's one of them. They're out. And now I'm taking applications. I you I'm looking strongly at UCLA right now. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's so with, Mark. with with Oregon with with Mario leaving Oregon, and Oregon has been carrying the mantle for the Pac 12, you know, for the last you know, five to 10 years, if you want to give them that much. Um, it's going back to what it was. USC's got the marquee coach and everybody else is going to be chasing them. So now it's it's like, all right, Mario's gone. Are they going to go rip Chip Kelly away from UCLA? And now what does UCLA do? You know, who are they going to go get their coach from? ASU has issues to deal with. You know, is Herm Edwards going to be there or is, you know, the NCAA going to come and say, get rid of him? Lincoln Riley is joining USC around the same time in a similar circumstance that when Pete Carroll took over. It was a mess. And there's a real opportunity right now for a huge run that USC can go on if they get their, you know, if all the dominoes fall in place for USC while the dominoes are falling all over the place for everyone else in conference. Well, I tell you what, I think that this is a really unique crossroads for usc when it comes to dealing with oregon and we're going to see that now now that there's no mario cristobal all those recruits that oregon has and i'm looking at one in specifically wide receiver safety uh, from Servite high school uh Tedaroa, uh mcmillan the type of guy that should be going to usc 
I understand why guys weren't going to USC. That wasn't hard to understand at all. Uh, but now this idea that, I mean, 180 degree turn, is he going to take a recruiting visit to USC when they have the big recruiting visit weekend here and uh, a weekend ago uh, coming up uh, is going to be a real indicator. If SC gets uh, three or four Oregonian uh, commits, uh, they're in trouble. Uh, you know, I think what's a unique, uh, I'm surprised Chris didn't bring it up because uh, I know that he follows such, you realize that, for the bowl game that Oregon and Oklahoma are playing each other, neither team is going to have a head coach. I thought that was really a unique situation. Uh, I agree with you guys that uh, look at Oregon has always been a step ladder for somebody, which to me made the Notre Dame thing more unbelievable that someone would, would leave Notre Dame for another school, uh, LSU, uh, in a difficult conference. I mean, Notre Dame really has it made where they're at for the most part. Uh, but you don't see, see Oregon is not Notre Dame. I mean, it's moving up. I think everybody in the world saw that uh, Cristobal was going to leave if he got an opportunity. It was my understanding his wife hated it in Eugene, which is understandable if you've been to Eugene. I mean, after a couple of uh, two or three days, you go, oh, this is really pretty. The, the squirrels and the trees and the lakes. But I think after about a year or two, you go, you know, it's getting really boring. I mean, when your big trip is to Portland, to, to you know, to have a big evening on the town, you uh, you got a pretty limited entertainment uh, area. So, it'll be interesting to see how Oregon rebounds from this. I think they'll get a good coach. They have a kind of a track record, other than Helfridge, when they uh, hired him uh, uh, to be the head coach, was kind of a downer for them. But you know, they have a pretty good idea of what they want, and they'll get a lot of input from people that know what they're doing. So. Uh, this is the moment for SC to take advantage of it. I hope. I hope. I think Carl. I think Carl Durrell's doing a nice job. They may want to look that direction. I think there's no question about that. That's yeah. goes without saying. Yeah, All right. no possibility. Okay. New, New Heisel Park Two's out there. The kids running. You know, he's on that staff already. Hey, Graham Harrell could step in there, and he could teach his offensive system in two days, and they could be they could be ready to go by OU. Hey, if we're going to go Frankenstein here, what if uh, Aranda came as their head coach and he brought Harold in as their offensive coordinator? Um, first of all, I don't want to talk about Aranda going in as their head coach. That's I know. Trust me, I'm with you, brother. I'm Where's that you. mute button, Katz? What happened? <laughs> What's that? Where's that mute button? He's talking about Aranda going to Oregon. It scares me, too. Trust me. Um, well, let's hope that is the case. I don't think that's going to be a, a, a possibility for quite some time. So, anyway... Look at now we're going to the fourth quarter. And again, I do not have a candle, the light to symbolize the lighting of the Coliseum torch, but I'm going to revisit a, a uh, situation here that we'd all like to forget, but I'm one of those that has that thing where I have to finish. It's a coaching thing. I have to finish. So USC finished the season four and eight overall three and six in the pack 12 what lessons were learned from this disastrous 2021 season? And uh, let's try to keep the uh, sarcasm a little bit down and a little bit more objective about it. I know it's hard to do, but uh, uh, we'll start off with Mark. Anything learned from this season? Uh, you learn which players truly appreciated being Trojans. 
uh, you learn which ones maybe weren't as appreciative. End of story. Oh, we got a little theme music, a transition. That was good. I like that. All right, Chris, what was this, uh, this debacle in 2021? Um, well, I guess I'd put it this way. Uh, what we see is that um, no matter how devoted uh, the fan base and, and USC doesn't have a fan base like Nebraska, right? They're not going to fill out the place year after year, no matter what happens. But, you know, we, we had a core of 50,000, 45,000 that would show up no matter what. And then on top of that, you need to, you need to pull in some people who are interested in seeing a win. Um, even that 50,000 can be whittled down to almost nothing. If you, if you poke them in the eye long enough and, and look, it's, it's okay now, I suppose, for us to say Bone and Sosna had a plan. They went out and got a top coach. Uh, so great. But boy, there was a long time when everybody associated with USC football and everybody who had ever heard of USC football knew that what was going on was a disaster. And, 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 and a lot of careers were destroyed in the process. A lot of a lot of the the value of the brand was lost during that time period, and uh, and a lot of and a lot of people who would uh, who would be paying money and and driving to the Coliseum to see games just stopped doing it because it was horrible to watch. Um, you can't take it for granted that because you're USC, things are going to go well for you. You still have to hire well. You still have to be dedicated. You still have to put in the resources. Uh, it looks like the administration understands that at this point, but we saw the culmination of years and years and years of neglect, and it was awful. It's the first time in my life that watching a USC football game became difficult. Like I had to force myself to do it most weeks because it was so horrible. So it, we, we certainly saw that, but we also saw something else. We saw that um, as bad as things were, all the things that people like to say about why USC can't win anymore, they're not true. They've never been true. Those excuses were made before Pete Carroll came. Those excuses were made before Lincoln Riley came. And Lincoln Riley, who knows a whole lot more about college football than any of us and any of the people watching this, looked at USC and said, that's a place you can win big. You can win there bigger than at OU. You can win bigger than at LSU. That's a, that's a remarkable statement of faith. And he's banking his whole career on it. So as horrible as things were, somebody as talented and smart as Lincoln Riley looks at it and says, that's temporary. And guys, thank God that's temporary because that was, that was horrible. Horrible. You're right. He's banking on it. 110 million, Chris. He's banking on it. Yeah. So. Oh, you would have paid him the money too. Okay. He could have gotten the money somewhere else. He could have gotten the money from LSU. But he thinks he can win big at USC. I hope he's right because I can't wait to see it. Me too. Well, I'll tell you what. I think there was a big lesson here. I think it's not a shock to anybody. But for the last several years, many of you, me, our listeners, our viewers, have been saying this and out of control, going downhill. Where is the bottom? When is the bottom going to take place Place for the season 2021? To me, the previous two, three years, at least three, uh, was 
yelling, screaming, do something about this. And the people in power didn't do anything about it. And this is what they got. They got a call if anybody showed up. They got things like, uh, you know, they, they, they can't uh, have games earlier than 7.30. Okay. It was just like, you knew this was going to happen and you let it happen. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. I cannot buy into, well, we had to get the house in order with the recruiting. We had to get, you know, this thing fixed before we could approach a big time coach. I don't buy any of it. Pete Carroll, John McKay, they didn't have facilities like Oregon. They didn't have facilities like Oklahoma. Uh, and I've been in uh, Oregon's facilities many times. You know what it's? It's about winning. L.A., nobody can beat SC, honestly. Uh, it just has too many things going for it if the right person like Pete Carroll or John McKay, even Larry Smith in his first uh, two or three years, Look at this is what the sleeping giants all about in college football. You know, you put a Lincoln Riley in there, but it, again, I will just say this, uh, although I applaud Fultz and, and uh, Mike bone and Sosna for coming up with a a plus pick, you know, something, uh, some of these people uh, and let's throw in Rick Caruso while we're at it, the chairman of the board, who did say we'll get an all-world, you know, world-beater uh, coach, which they did. Credit to him, no doubt about it. But look, you know what? You let it go to this point when you saw lost dollars, when you saw this magnificent, if you want to call it that way, uh, press box and suites and people trying to get out of uh, their contract to be the suites. You waited till SC was in the very corner, caught between. You know, what are you going to do? We either let it all go to hell after generations and generations of legendary storied greatness, uh, or you're going to do something about it. It should never have come to this point. Never. And I'll tell you, if I'm the people at Georgia Southern, what were you thinking? All you had to do is look at USC this year, and you know what you're getting. And those of you that might be watching or listening in Georgia, uh, I have nothing against you, where you are, where you're from, and, you know, uh, Statesboro, good for you. But I'm telling you, if I was a real fan of Georgia Southern, I'd say, didn't you even pay attention? Did you not see what happened to USC? Who do you think was in charge the last six years? Santa Claus? It is embarrassing. We can all hope that we never, ever have to deal with this situation, that if it gets bad in the third year of somebody's uh, – football administration that SC does something about it and doesn't allow it to get to this depth. That's my, that's what I take from the lesson learned from this season. If you don't do something about it earlier, it's like medical issues, anything else. This is where you end up not a very pleasant place. So let's uh, go to overtime very quickly. Uh, panel, your thoughts on the 2021 college football playoffs, the final four teams, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati, what do you think of the field? Who do you think could win it? Mark, what do you think? I think Nick Saban proved that he is still the man to knock off the top of the mountain. Georgia was expected to just roll through and finally get that national championship since, what, 1980? And 
Now, they Alabama rolled up another Heisman Trophy, which, by the way, is a quarterback from modern day. So they have more than how many NCAA schools. Um, they're going to more than likely win another national championship. So regardless of who's in the field, I think it's great Cincinnati is, you know, kind of broken through the ceiling. That'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can give Alabama a, a game. Um, they might for a half. But then I, I think, you know, Alabama's depth is just going to take over. Nick Saban's genius at making adjustments is going to take over. And if, you know, one, let's face it, Cincinnati's quarterback goes down, doesn't matter. So, um, I, I, you know what, I think Michigan is a wild card, only because they kind of have everything rolling for them right now. But, I, again, it's Alabama's to lose. All right, Chris, your thoughts on the uh, final four? Uh, you never, ever bet against Dick Saban. And, and look, the reality is that if you want to beat Alabama, you have to score a lot of points. And that usually means that you have to have a mobile quarterback to avoid the pass rush and you have to be able to get the ball downfield and make some big plays. That's, the, I, that's to the extent that there is a blueprint to beating Alabama, that, that seems to be the blueprint. I don't see anybody in this field that can do that. Georgia is questionable at quarterback, and you cannot just line up and run the ball against Alabama. Michigan's the same way. Michigan not going to be able to just line up and run the ball against Alabama. I don't care how physical Michigan is. They're not going to be able to do it. And Alabama has athletes all over the place, and they have Nick Saban. So Alabama is going to blow out Cincinnati, and they're probably going to blow out Georgia a second time is my guess. And I hate it because I don't want them to keep winning, but um, it's hard not to tip the hat at what uh, Nick Saban has built. It's extraordinary. Well, I, uh, I concur with uh, what most of you said here. Uh, I keep thinking that Georgia maybe make a change of quarterback possible. And what would happen if JT Daniels is quarterbacking Georgia? And then you have Bryce Young uh, quarterbacking uh, Alabama, uh, two modern-day quarterbacks that are in the southeast part of our country and watching what's taking place. Uh, believe me, I have no problem with those guys going there when Clay Elton was the coach. No problem whatsoever. I think it would have been malpractice to sit there and get in their face and say, how can you leave USC? My, my thought would be, look, I'm Cardinal and Gold through and through. How couldn't you leave USC? It was a disgrace. And I think, again, uh, when you look at Alabama, you know, there's a beauty in watching what they are like. It was like Pete years uh, in the early 2000s, uh, the 2003 team, the 2014. When they're that great, you have to appreciate what's, what you're watching. Uh, I'll watch Alabama, and I think the thing that amazes uh, Alabama is uh, – there's a no Najee Harris uh, attack. Uh, they're doing it because Bryce Young has turned it into a seven-on-seven seven passing league, and he's uh, able to connect and make it almost look like Georgia what? This is one of the great generational defenses, really? Uh, I think Alabama has uh, Georgia's number, just like when SC is good, they have UCLA's number. Okay, I think that uh, uh, Michigan – I like Michigan. I love the, the, the uniforms. I love the fight song. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of love for Harbaugh. I really, really don't care for him. But uh, you know what? They are where they're at, and more power to them. I just don't see anybody beating Alabama. And if they win it again this year, I'm, I have no problem with that. 
Uh, and you know what? There's a lot of expectations on those players. I think they're now where they want to be. They, they have the goal in sight. And I've been on teams when they, they kind of futz around for a while. I saw it with John McKay teams. A lot of times they would not play to their best uh, until they were playing a UCLA or Notre Dame. And once they were given that challenge, boy, did they rise to the occasion and play. So, uh, look, uh, anything could happen. I think Alabama and Cincinnati, that's going to be a no contest. I think television has decided that because they put them as the first of the semifinal games. That's kind of like the preliminary bout. Uh, I think that Alabama, I think that Michigan and Georgia, I still think Georgia is under a lot of pressure because they've already found out like a heavyweight champion that never been knocked down. They got knocked down and they're going to think, are we not even going to get to the championship game? And Michigan thinks they're going to get to the championship game. I don't know whether they can do it, but uh, it's going to be interesting. So that's kind of our take on, on that. Uh, it'll be fun to watch the end of it. I think it'll be more fun when SC is in it, but while we're waiting for that uh, maturation process, this is the best we can do. So with that in mind, the final bell. Reminder fans, next Tuesday we'll discuss the latest Lincoln-Riley news. And boy, if it's like this week, there's going to be still a lot of it. Uh, we'll have a recruiting update because that big recruiting weekend is coming up and the signing period. Uh, we'll take a look at 2022 uh, and what, what, uh, what the prospects look like. We'll look at the schedule. We'll look at uh, the, the returning players and look at, I'm no genius. I don't know what returning players there's going to be. Uh, it'll be. It'll be fascinating. And we'll speak to late developing topics uh, to USC and college football in general. So until next Tuesday, I thank uh, Chris and Mark, uh, our panel today. Uh, thank you to our on three technician, Jake Evans. Thank all of you for watching and listening to uh, Inside the Trojans Huddle. Until then, fight on, everybody.